0: Section 8 of The Theory and Practice of Brewing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bailey Gower. The Theory and Practice of Brewing by Michael Combrun. Section 8 of the vine, its fruits, and juices. After these short accounts of the principles and instrument necessary to the right understanding of the brewing art, we should now draw near to the particular object of this treatise, but as the most successful method to investigate it, must be first to inspect the great and similar example nature has set before us, our time will not be lost by making this inquiry. Any fermented liquor that in distillation yields an inflammable spirit miscible with water may be called wine, whatever vegetable matter it is produced from as beer and ales contain a spirit exactly answerable to this definition Brewing may justly be called the art of making wines from corn those indeed which are the produce of the grape have a particular claim to the name either because they are the most ancient and the most universal or or that a great part of their previous preparation is owing to the care of nature itself. By observing the agent she employs and the circumstances under which she acts, we shall find ourselves enabled to follow her steps and to imitate her operations. Most grapes contain juices which, when fermented, become in time as light and pellucid as water and are possessed of fine spirituous parts sufficient to cherish, comfort, and even inebriate. But these properties of venosity are observed not to be equally perfect in the fruits of all vines. Some of them are found less, others not at all proper for this purpose. It is therefore necessary to examine the circumstances which attend the forming and ripening of those grapes, whose juices produce the finest liquors of the kind. All grapes, when they first bud forth, are austere and sour, therefore of a middle nature. And this can be no other than the effect of the autumnal remaining sap mixed with the new raised vernal one, the consequence of which mixture will be found greatly to merit our inquiry. As far as our senses can judge, at first, it appears that the juice in this state consists of somewhat more than an acid combined with a tasteless water. When the fruit is ripe, it becomes full of a rich, sweet, and highly flavored juice, the color, consistency, and taste of which shew that, by the power of heat, a considerable quantity of oil has been raised, and sheathing the salts is the reason of its saccharine taste and saccharine properties. In England, grapes are probably produced under the least heat they can be raised by. They discover themselves in their first shape about June, when the medium heat of the 24-hour shade is 576 This, with what more should be added for the effect of the sun's beams, are the degrees of heat which first introduce the juices into this fruit. The highest degrees of heat in the countries where grapes come to perfect maturity have been observed to be in various parts of Italy, Spain, and Greece 100, and at Montpellier 88 in the shade. To which, according to Dr. Lining's observations, 20 degrees must be added for the effect of the sun's beams. The greatest heat in Italy will then amount to 120 degrees, and in the south of France to 108. These approach nearly to the strongest heats observed in the hottest climates which, in Astrakhan, Syria, Senegal, and Carolina, were from 124 to 126 degrees. Those countries where the heat is greatest in general produce the richest fruits, that is, the most impregnated with sweet, thick, and oily juices. We are told among the takke wine hills there is one which directly fronting the south and being the most exposed to the sun yields the sweetest and richest grapes it is called the sugar hill and the delicious wines extracted from this particular spot are all deposited in the cellars of the imperial family. Those grapes, some in the canary, some in other places, being suffered to remain the longest on the tree with their stems half cut through, by this means procure their juices to be highly concentrated and produce that species of sweet, oily, balmy wines, which, from this operation, are called sac, a derivation of the French word sec or dry. In all distillations of unfermented vegetables, water and acid salts rise first. A more considerable degree of fire is required for the elevation of oils, and a still greater one for the lixivial salts, which render those oils miscible with water. A plant exposed to a very gentle heat at first yields a water which contains the perfect smell of the vegetable blended with a subtle oil. If more heat be added, a heavier oil will come over. From some, a volatile alkali. From others, a phlegm will rise, which gradually grows acid and last of all, with the farther assistance of fire, the black, thick, and pyromatic sulfur. Nature, in a less degree, may be said to place a like series of events before our eyes in the forming and maturating of grapes, and it is by imitating what she does that the inhabitants of different countries may improve the advantages of their soil and of their air. In order to illustrate the doctrine that grapes are endued with various properties in proportion to the heat of the air they have been exposed to, let us remember what Bohov has observed that, in very hot weather, the oleous corpuscles of the earth are carried up into the air and, descending again, cause the showers and dews in summer to be very different from the pure snow of winter. The first are acrid and disposed to froth, the last is transparent and insipid. Hence, summer rain, or rain falling in hot seasons, is always fruitful, whereas in cold weather it is scarcely so at all in winter the air abounds with acid parts neither smoothed by oils nor rarefied by heat cold is the condensing power as heat is the opener of nature in summer the air dilating itself penetrates everywhere and gives to the rain a disposition to froth occasioned by the admixture of oleous and aerial particles Thus, the acid salts, either previously existing or by the vernal heat introduced into the grapes and necessary to their preservation, are neutralized by coming in contact with the juices the foregoing autumn produced, after which a hotter sun, covering or blending these juices with oils, changes the whole into a saccharine form. In proportion as these acids are more or less sharp and counterbalanced by a greater or lesser quantity of oils, the juices of grapes approach more or less to the state of perfection which fermentation requires. There are many places, as Jamaica, Barbados, etc., in which experienced shoes the vine cannot be cultivated to advantage. By comparing the heat of these places with those in Italy and Montpellier, it appears this defect is not owing to excessive heats, but to their constancy and uniformity, the temperature of the air of these countries seldom being so low as the degree necessary for the first production of the fruit. Whenever the cultivation of the vine is attempted in these parts of the West Indies, the grapes on their first appearance are shaded and screened from the beams of the sun, which in their infancy they are not able to bear. Hence we learn, though nature employs both the autumnal and vernal seasons, yet there are lesser heats with which she prepares the first juice of grapes, a stronger power of the sun she requires to form the fruit, and a greater than either to ripen it. We have investigated the lowest degrees of heat in which grapes are produced, and nearly the highest they ever receive to ripen them. Let us call the first the germinating degrees, and the last those of maturation. If nearly 58 be the lowest of the one, and 126 the highest of the other, and if a certain power of acids is necessary for the germination of the grapes, which must be counterbalanced by an equal power of oils raised by the heat of the sun for their maturation, then the medium of these two numbers, or ninety-two, may be said to be a degree at which this fruit cannot possibly be produced, and inferior to that by which it should be maturated. At Panama, the lowest degree of heat in the shade is seventy-two, to which twenty being added for the sun's beams, the sum will be ninety-two, and consequently no grapes can grow there except the vines be placed in the shade. If we recollect that we can scarcely make wine, which will preserve itself, of grapes produced in England, We shall be induced to think that the reason of this defect is the want of the high degrees of heat. Our sun seldom raises the thermometer to 100 degrees, and that but for a short continuance. Our medium heat is far inferior to 92, and hence we see, at several distant terms in summer, new germinated grapes, but seldom any perfectly ripe. These observations, the use of which in brewing we will endeavor to apply, likewise point out to us What part of our plantations are fit to produce this fruit, and to what degree of perfection? A research made for each constituent part forming grapes, as well as the proportion they bear to one another at first sight, appears to be an eligible method to discover the nature of wines. But in every vegetable their parts are mixed and interwoven, and every degree of heat acting on them, finds these so blended as to render their division too imperfect for such inquiry to be made with sufficient accuracy, to deduce therefrom the rules of an art." In the producing ripening and fermenting the juice of the grapes as well as in forming beers and ales the element of fire so superlatively influences and governs every progressive act as to occasion some remarkable difference in their appearance from hence then we may expect the information we want and be enabled to discover the laws by which nature forms her wines When the constituent parts of a subject are to be estimated by heat alone, the number of degrees comprehended between the first heat which formed it and the last which brought it to a perfect state must express the whole of its constituent parts. Complete finished substances must have been benefited by the whole latitude of degrees applicable thereto, and in proportion, as part of the whole latitude is wanting, will their nature be different and themselves less perfect. This variety is remarkable in the fruit we are now treating of. A country endued with the lowest germinating, and with the highest maturating degrees of heat for grapes, would produce them in the utmost perfection. That is, they would possess all the several properties they could obtain from this circumstance. Consequently such are capable of forming wines that would preserve themselves a very long time, and would also become spontaneously fine. From the several heats we have observed that this fruit is capable of enduring, it is reasonable to believe the greatest number of degrees of heat employed to form all their constituent parts must be where during the whole space of vegetation the heat in the shade varies from 60 to 106 degrees and constitutes a difference of 46 degrees so great a latitude ordered by nature most certainly denotes the general utility of the plant the climate of the southern part of france approaches nearest to this but spanish wines are richer their grapes are formed by a warmer sun their vernal and maturating heats exceed those of France, but at the same time their wines are more stubborn, and to be made fine require the help of precipitation. This variety increases according to the heat of climates. Thus, we see wines which come from the coast of Africa, whose richness and stubbornness are beyond the reach of any minstrel employed to find them. Let us endeavor to reduce this apparent inconstancy to rule in order to assist our art. If the lowest heat which forms the grape in the southern parts of France be 60 degrees and if 88 degrees in the shade be the mean of their maturating heat, the difference between 60 and 88, or 28 degrees, is the number which includes the constituent parts of grapes in this country, as these degrees imply the whole space of their progress. If like juices were to be imitated by art, as in our hothouses, it is clear half the number of the degrees of heat which form the whole of the constituent parts, or 14, deducted from 74, the mean heat of their whole vegetation would give 60, for the first heat to be employed and this to be raised for maturation to 88, the greatest heat nature in this case permits, or 14 degrees to be added to the same whole mean. To liken the wines of Spain, where the autumnal and vernal heats are greater than in France, the heat forming the first juices must be more, as also the maturating heats but with such practice the number of constituent degrees would be found to be fewer and spontaneous brightness could no more be expected than it is found in their wines a strict inquiry after the heats first and last applied to grapes is of such consequence to ascertain the principles by which malt liquor should be formed that though grapes produced in england scarcely make wines which can maintain themselves sound yet as the rule is universal even from them we shall be able to establish not only its certainty but also the application of the number of the degrees found between the heats which germinate the fruit and those which ripen them. From 12 years' observation, we have found the mean heat in the shade from the 1st of June to the 15th when grapes with us first bud forth to be 57.6. Our greatest heat under like circumstances from the 15th to the 31st of July to be 61.1. Their difference, 3.5. Their medium, 59.35. If, from their medium, 59.35, we subtract 1.75, half their difference, or half their constituent parts, we must have left 57.6 for the germinating heat. And if, to their medium, 59.35, we add 1.75, half the number of their constituent parts, we shall have 61.1, the highest mean heat in the shade, at the time the richest juices of our grapes are formed. It is true, in July, nor even in the following months, when the heat continues nearly alike, our grapes are not ripe nor gathered. The properties raised by our greatest sunshine as yet have not reached the fruit, and though the mean heat of the air in September and October is less, yet it is sufficient to place in the grapes the juices raised by the preceding hot sun, which concentrate and grow richer by remaining on the plant, though, for want of a sufficient heat, they do not reach that perfection obtained in warmer climates." The want of grapes in many parts both of America and Africa, and the reason we gave for this, see page 55, warrants the truth of the division we have just now made between the germinating and maturating heats. And if the effects caused by a hot sun do not immediately benefit the fruit, by a parity of reason, after the grapes are gathered, the plant must possess, and surely for some longer space, by a continued heat equal and often superior to the vernal sun, juices which nature is too frugal not usefully to apply. These juices, we apprehend, assist in forming the embryo of the leaves which are fully to expand the ensuing year, and serve by their oleaginous quality, to preserve these and the whole plant during the cold of the winter, which cold, at the same time that it contracts the pores of the vine, condenses and thickens these richer juices from whence few, if any of them are lost or expended by perspiration. The heat of the following spring renews their activity, when blending with those this season attracts, the leaves open, the flowers appear, and the fruit forms. Thus far we conceive the act of germination extends, provided for and assisted both by the autumnal and vernal heats, and which, in point of power, are nearly equal and uniform. The heat of the sun during summer months, and if to this we add the more constant heat at the roots of the vine, retained there by the density of the earth. These, though superior to the germinating heat, produce a like uniformity for maturating the fruit. Thus nature, in order to implant in wines an original even taste, and to facilitate the fermentable act amidst the great variety that appears to us in the heat of the air, seems, upon the whole, to act by steady and equal motions. Or rather, perhaps, this is the best manner by which we can reduce to rule, the inconstancy of the atmosphere. I am sensible these facts had been represented in a more natural light had I observed the degrees of heat impressed on the vine in every season of the year. The difference of the sun's heat in every hour of the day, a variety exceeding that in the shade, that between night and day, the aspect of the plant, the heat of the earth at its surface as well as the roots of the vine, all these would have increased the circumstances to a prodigious extent, which though perhaps requisite to satisfy philosophic investigation might from their number and variety have been the means rather to induce us to error than to discover the general rules by which nature acts. From the above-related process we are taught that nature, in forming wines, is not confined to a certain fixed number of degrees, but admits, for this act, of a considerable latitude according to the extent of which the wines vary in taste and properties, and that she affects an equality of heat in each period of vegetation, from whence the brewer is taught, if he form his malt liquors with four mashes, as in the autumn and spring the vine is impressed with heats nearly uniform, so ought his first two mashes to be. The third, in imitation of the high heat of summer, should be much hotter, and the heat of his last mash the same with this. And this general rule has been found universally true, for beers expected to preserve themselves sound a sufficient time, and admits but of a proportional variation when fewer or more mashes are employed as the degrees of heat denominating the constituent parts of the grain must be applied in proportion to the quantity of water used to each mash. But in malt liquors, speedily to be drank, or when we deviate greatly from the more perfect productions of nature, we are then compelled to swerve from her rules, a practice never profitable and which nothing but necessity can justify. The nature of soil proper for the vine might, in another work, be a very useful inquiry. It will be sufficient here, barely to hinder the effect, which lixivial soils produce in musts. The Portuguese, when they discovered the island of Madeira in 1420, set fire to the forest with which it was totally covered. It continued to burn for the space of seven years, after which the land was found extremely fruitful and yielding such wines as, at present, we have from thence, though in greater plenty. It is very difficult to find these wines, and, though the climate of this island is more temperate than that of the Canaries, the wines are obliged to be carried to the Indies and the warmer parts of the globe, to be purged, shook, and attenuated before they can arrive to an equal degree of fineness with other wines. Were the Portuguese acquainted with what may be termed the artificial method of exciting periodical fermentation, much of the whole of this trouble might be avoided. Hence we see that soils impregnated with alkaline salts will produce musts able to support themselves longer, and to resist acidity more than other soils under the same degree of heat. Grapes have the same constituent parts as other vegetables. The difference between them as to their tastes and properties consists in the parts being mixed in different proportions. This arises either from their absorbent vessels more readily attracting some juices than others, or from their preparing them otherwise under different heats and in different soils. We find, says Dr. Hales, by the chemical analysis of vegetables, that their substance is composed of sulfur, volatile salts, water, and earth, which principles are endued with mutual attracting powers. There enters likewise in the composition a large portion of air, which has a wonderful property of attracting in a fixed or of repelling in an elastic state, with a power superior to vast compressing forces." It is by the infinite combinations, actions, and reactions of these principles that all the operations in animal and vegetable bodies are affected. Bohov, who is somewhat more particular with regard to the constituent parts of vegetables, says that they contain an oil mixed with a salt in form of a sapo, and that a saponaceous juice arises from the mixture of water with the former. Thus we see, from the composition of grapes, that they have all the necessary principles to form a most exquisite liquor, capable by a gentle heat, to be greatly attenuated. They abound with elastic air, water, oils, acid, and neutral salts, and even saponaceous juices. The air contained in the interstices of fluids is more in quantity than is commonly apprehended. Sir Isaac Newton has proved that water has 40 times more pores than solid parts, and the proportion likely is not very different in vegetable juices. When the fruit is in its natural entire state, the viscosity of the juices and their being enveloped by an outward skin prevent the expansion of the enclosed air. It lies as if it were inactive. In this forced state it causes no visible motion nor the principles thus confined either subjected to any apparent impressions of the external atmosphere or so intimately blended as when they are expressed. A free communication of the external air with that contained in the interstices of the liquor is required to form a perfect mixture. By what means this is affected, what alterations it produces, or in general in what manner the juice of the grape becomes wines, must be the subject of our next inquiry. The process of a perfect fermentation is undoubtedly the same where the due proportions of the constituent parts forming the must are exactly kept, whatever vegetable juices it is excited in. For this reason we will observe the progress of this act in beers and ales, these being subjects we are more accustomed to, and where the characters appear more distinct, in order to apply what may be learned from thence to our chief object, the business of the brewer. End of section 8. Recording by Bailey Gower